out there and welcome back to another episode of the Risk Cheese Radio Podcast, your home for the horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. I'm your host, Brody, and with me, as always, is my good bud, Mr. Schmidt. Schmitty, how you been, bud? You know, I've been pretty good, man. Um, how are you doing? Busy, busy mostly. <laughs> uh, uh, a mix same, of... Same, yeah, it, It's kind of the... <laughs> whirlwind of this time of the year and i think people understand that given the fact that we've kind of been a little bit spotty with the episodes but that's gonna happen um you know it's a mix of busy busy with work busy with personal stuff busy with sick kids busy with um you know it's currently monsooning outside i'm trying to make sure my house remains upright you know it's it's everything all at once so (laughs) yes it's yes, uh yes. you know I've, I've got some cool press stuff going on which which i'm excited to one day talk about whenever that happens so uh a lot, a lot going on. I, you know, I, 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 I'm sorry for the person who, who checks in every single Monday looking for episodes and they're not there, but it's just right now. That's the, the state of affairs here at Rich radio. Um, yeah, yeah. What's up guys? What's up with you there, boss? <laughs> you know, not a whole lot, man. Uh, doing the last final preps for, for the holidays. I'll, I'll be throwing a, uh, uh, an in-between holiday holiday party. Um, so that it's going to be kind of fun. So after Christmas, before New Year's, very nice. Uh, so that'll be a kind of a new thing we're starting this year. Hopefully, it's a it's a cool thing if you want to come and and experience it. Um, but it is that time of year where everything just gets a little bit more cramped. You find out how much time you really don't have, and uh, especially with uh, with kids that are getting older every single year, and and you you want to keep the spirit and magic of Christmas alive. Um, you got to do everything you can to to be there. So. Again, guys, sorry that we haven't been the most present on the podcast, but we are two very busy working dads, and uh, that's uh, sometimes those things come first. So, apologies, but uh, real life always takes a takes a win here. It do be like that, my friend. <laughs> All right, uh, so we're gonna talk about some stuff that dropped this week. This episode might not air for a sec because we're trying to sync it up with a sort of a drop. Droparuski. Um, it'll it'll play itself out in the episode. You'll listen to it, but it'll make a little more sense at the time of airing. Um, so this week we're gonna kick it off with uh, one of your favorites. I think we're gonna start with Doxa. Yes, Doxa has fully unleashed the Kraken here on the sub three hundred beta collection. We've seen a couple limited editions. We saw that very very blacked out one with the gold accents. We saw that Siddiqui limited edition we talked about. Yep, yep. yep. And now we're getting sort of the full line here. Um kind of interesting the choices they made with some of this stuff like for example the caribbean is blue blue bezel orange accents and then the rest of them all have black bezels yeah because i think they're ceramic okay interesting but i'm just saying like it's it's an interesting take to go from one to the other they have a wave dial pattern on the uh, on the dial they have um you know the sort of the the color where you normally get that sort of uh real smack of color all over the dial and bezel is uh you know uh is subdued here it's it's on the the minute hand you're getting uh little bits here and there it's not as in your face doxa as previously maybe it's a little little something different from them as opposed to where they used to just hit you right in the face with color and i I think it's okay i think it looks good you're getting sort of the contrast it's contrast a lot of black here yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's kind of according to the website. That's where the whole thing of beta comes in, where they're trying to make it more of kind of the second generation or second evolution of the original Doxa design. So they're talking about different colors, different finishes here. 
So you get a lot of kind of the archetypal doxa-ness, if you will, without going full-fledged, you know, signal orange and bright right. yellow and aquamarine. You're getting a little bit of taste of it. And I think that this makes it a little bit more practical for the daily wearer. I think that's exactly what they're going after. And and that's and that's that's at least based on their marking on the website, that's kind of what it indicates it to be. Because it says the beta signifies a palette of colors and fresh finishes, making it equally suitable for underwater exploration, boardroom meetings, and various situations in between. So this is uh Docs is stepping it up with the dress diver aesthetic, if you will. Why is the boardroom always the go-to? I it's always, it's always the one we're gonna talk about. Oh, you could wear it in the boardroom. Right. It's not like, oh, you can wear it to the office or you could wear it to work. You can wear it to the boardroom. How many people go to a boardroom? I've never well, been in a boardroom know, in my life. You know, honestly, well, <laughs> I can say I've been in several and uh, sometimes it's not always a good experience to be in the boardroom. True. But I can I can say, I think with all potential work situations, a boardroom meeting is kind of like the pin the pinnacle. Right. Like of, of corporate America, like a boardroom meeting is like the quintessential pinnacle thing where, you know, nobody wants to be there, but everyone has to act like they want to be there. You have to contribute. You have to wear your suit and, and it's going to be where you are the most dressed up. Potentially in a work setting. No, I get it. It's supposed to be, you know, you're going to be in view of your boss, maybe your boss's boss. Exactly. And that whole thing. It's just, I just find it funny that boardroom is always the go-to for <laughs> yeah. any type of watch content, right? Yeah, Each no, I know. I know. Whatever it might be. It's just, it's a, it's a funny <laughs> little something that seems to repeat itself over and over again. But, um, but yeah, these are, these are neat. They come in around 22, 2300, depending what configuration yeah. you get, you can get the beads of rice, you can get the FKM rubber, and uh, yeah, I think they're all the fun of a you know regular docs are just a little more practical for everyday wear if you're maybe not like so colorly inclined, <laughs> chromatically, like chromatically inclined. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I I like them, and and you know honestly, as somebody who is a a previous Doxa owner for several different versions, this is different enough for me that I could see it in a collection. You yeah, know, I think you can add one of these if you have a different Doxa and get away yeah, with it. Where even yeah. if you added the two hundred when you had a three hundred, if you you're still getting a very colorful, very vibrant Doxa product. Here you're getting something very contrasting to the previous models, and and that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, because I have the Signal Orange Doxa Professional, I got the Black Lung. You know, I kind of have the quintessential. Doxa. Oh, you've right? got the Doxa, yeah. Yeah, the Doxa. Stainless steel case, 42 millimeter, sub 300, limited edition with the bright orange dial. Like as, as soon as I as soon as I ever saw that watch, I fell in love with it. And I would I wanted to have it in the collection. Um, but I have it now. And so for me, if I was going to add something else to the collection, I think that something like the new beta um aquamarine would be a really good option for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're 100% spot on there, my friend. Um, moving on to one. All right, here's one that, and this is you, you, when you know things have gotten sort of funny with the, the pod and everything, <laughs> is people have DM'd me this and said, do you think this one is 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 going to do it for Schmidt? And I'm like, "What? why are you asking me? <laughs> but so it's the... It, oh, look, it's finally about, different. We talk a lot about Unimatic, um, and this is the Unimatic <laughs> Modelo... And in my family, my family are very off the boaty, um, 
they have a very uh native dialect it's not the proper prim and proper sort of italian you would speak my family would say chingua it the proper is oh god is cinque but it's my family says chingua uh that's the sort of like uh backwoods you know folky (laughs) dialect of italian but it means five it's the model regional yeah yeah your regional dialect right so my family's from a little bit outside of naples um in southwest italy and uh yeah so modello cinque for all the people who are uh counting um literally and then and in spanish it'll be modello cinco yes yes it would uh so this one it's a field watch it's 36 millimeters it's quite different from the other ones it's nice and slim it's limited to 300 pieces it's in conjunction with Massina labs and uh i think everybody wants to know schmidt is this something different from unimatic or is this same old same old no i think it's i think it's a step in the right direction and finally after i don't know five six years we finally have something and again we've been harping on this forever right i mean their field watch their their u2 is just so blocky and thick and just not very ergonomic in the sense that it looks cool from the top but as soon as you start rotating it side to side you're like this is just really not wearable I think, you know, Messina, given his his collector status as as a very vintage-minded person, uh, to me, this is a lot of his influence because this is something that a vintage collector would come up with, right? You have thin lugs, you get a big crown, you got uh, a very thin profile, relatively speaking, for what Unimatic normally delivers. And again, you get a 36 millimeter case diameter. I don't know of anything that they've ever produced that is in that size. So I think, at least for now, this is okay. <laughs> um, now it's going to be interesting to see if they take the Model 5 and they expand it into something else in the collection. I mean, I would even love to say to see this case shape with a rotating bezel. Like that would be sick. Like kind of like a 36 millimeter, 37 millimeter big crown style diver. Yeah. That would be awesome. I could see it. I like the big crown on this. That was the first thing I think I noticed about this watch. Yeah, I mean, it's it cool. does it, there's not a ton going on. <laughs> no, there's uh, not. You outside know, of a six o'clock date, you got a little tip of uh color on the second hand, and it's got a gigantic crown on it. Um, uh, other than that, it's pretty sterile, but that's also kind of what the field watch motif is. And that's humanics. That's their bread and butter. Everything has always been sterile dials. Yes. I think at, at one point in, in the early marketing, there was something along the lines of like, it's basically a sterile dial, but it just has the name or something, something like that. It was like what they used to say back in the day. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's everything you need in text wise, but nothing you don't, which I think is, is very cool. Um, but I, I, I like it. I think it's very militaristic. It feels futuristic while still somehow being classic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I, when I look at it, like I know it's obviously a very futuristic take on a field watch, but it somehow feels new and different. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Cause I've been waiting for God knows how many, how many months and years for Unimatic to finally do something different. And, you know, maybe uh, maybe we were the impetus for that. I have no idea, but I can only I can only hope. Yeah, case is certainly sort of out of the ordinary, but something pretty peculiar. This is a three hundred meter field watch. See, this is perfectly ready for diver. 
Like that's got to come next. Give us a model six, take this, make it 36 millimeter. Now make it 38 and add a bezel and we'll, we'll call it a day. Like I think, I think that that would be a very logical next evolution. Yeah, that would be quite interesting. And these come I in mean, at nine ninety five, not too shabby. You don't have to re you don't have to reinvent the wheel. No, you, you know don't. what I mean? Like you no, just you <laughs> just finally give us freaking something. You know, like the days of bloated divers and field watches are over. Like let's let's get something a little a little bit more streamlined. So this is at least for me a step in the right direction. I would agree. I have to agree with you, my friend. Uh next up, let's go to uh, Zodiacs put out a collab piece with Rowing Blazers. It is their world time configuration with a blue bezel, and it is inspired by loosely, I will say, the movie Trading Places, which is an Eddie Murphy movie from the 80s. Um, okay. Yeah. The really? Connect- yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I don't I, I couldn't find a, an impetus exactly for that. But anyways, this highlights some of the cities that are mentioned in the movie and sort of the hotspots of the era, places like Monte Carlo, Paris and, and, and other places. You can see it. They're on the they're sort of highlighted on the, the bezel there. Um, Kind of an odd and random reference, but OK, like it's all right. Yeah, is what it is. You know, I like Eddie Murphy. He's a good guy, Dan Aykroyd, yeah. sure. But um, I but just yeah, I just want to know um, whose idea this was. <laughs> I mean, there's that. Um, uh, what's the what's the actor's name? Um, oh God! Oh, Adam he's Scott. on the advertisement. Yeah, who hurt this man? Yeah, he looks like, weird, dude. He looks so bad. Like what happened to him? He looks a little like he needs to. He needs like a cheeseburger. Bad. Yeah, dude. He's like emaciated. Yeah, that's that was the word I was going for too. Like, who hurt you, Adam? So he's supposed to be sort of dressed up as Dan Aykroyd's character in that movie, and in that movie, basically Eddie Murphy's like a brokey, and he switches places with Dan Aykroyd, yeah, who's yeah, yeah. wealthy. I don't know if you saw it before. Anyway. Yeah, of course. It's a, it's, 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 it's a, it is a classic. classic. I just... It's a classic. <laughs> How could you not have seen that movie before? It's a classic. For, you know, we, we have... we are, our, our demographic sometimes trends a little low at times. We get into the 20s. I, yeah, I check true, our stats. So, you know, just, just to round it out. It's a solid movie. It's worth a watch. Yeah. Definitely worth a watch. Sort of a, a cult classic, but it's, it's very 80s. And... Uh, yeah, they got the dude from uh, the brother from Step Brothers, the third brother. Uh, yeah, filling in, doing some weird poses and stuff. And uh, I, I don't know where they brought him in from. I think he was just in town, and they were like, "Hey, come by and let's uh, let's let's do this." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just it looks so. He's gonna bring you to the Catalina wine mixer. Yeah, but not in a good way. No. Like he's gonna bring you to the Catalina wine mixer, but he's also gonna sell your organs on the black market. No one's ever gonna see you again. I could see that. I could see that. All in all, it's not a bad looking watch. No, the watch is fine. I just, no, I yeah. was just very getting back to the watch. Yeah, <laughs> just very a little interesting about the marketing. But again, this is what happens when you have people, you know, in Gen Z that are that are doing all of it was like they riff on everything, but they also have no understanding of anything else. So it's like it's all like trendy, but it like doesn't make sense in some aspects. So I don't know. 
I hope anybody that's listening to Gen Z doesn't get offended about this, but I'm just saying it's well, like, that's their specialty, so probably. Yeah, that's true. That's also very true. But uh, so we got a very nice color blue bezel. It's I, nice. I it, it's a nice looking watch. I I really I never really liked the way that the the Rowing Blazers text looks against the text of the the watch companies. It never really lines up that nicely at all. But well, because it's 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 literally old English font. Yeah. It's a very distinctive, very aggressive style, which, you know, if you're talking like fraternity chic, like it's perfect. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. But it's not something that typically would look good on a watch face. Yeah. And it comes on a Jubilee bracelet or a NATO that kind of looks like a Charlie Brown t-shirt pattern. Yeah. Yeah. The zigzag. Yeah. And, uh. I mean, I like the watch. I mean, it's, it's kind of very, a, no, it looks it's, good. It's a good looking watch. It's very like mythical blueberry, you know? Yep. Like nobody's ever really been able to confirm that the Rolex blueberry is legit or not, but it's kind of like that blueberry, you know, GMT style, which again, looks really cool. I think it looks good from a distance because it's the right shade of kind of like royal blue. It's not navy. It's not electric, but it's kind of like a royal blue. Yep. Um, I think it looks good overall. I think the weird tie-in is is kind of interesting about trading places, because um, I would have never picked that up, nor would no. I have ever associated that to be the marketing thing here. Um, okay, subtle nod. It just this one I think about it, it's like this one person that works at rowing places like, dude, this would be so on brand for us because we, you know, we want to show the older demographic that we're in touch. You know, <laughs> it's like we watched this movie and it was cool, so we should use it as our collaboration. I'm like. That uh, yeah, I don't know about that. All right, we're doing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> full full send. Okay, boomer, hold my beer. We're gonna launch this baby. Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly. But you know, I do like the watch. The watch itself, outside of the marketing campaign, because again, I would have to say this is probably more of a rowing blazers marketing campaign yeah, it than it is probably a zodiac marketing campaign. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Next up, we have the Longines Hodinky Limited Edition uh, Spirit Zulu Time collab. This one actually looks quite good. I'm a fan of it. Again, yes. also some weird marketing going on here, but yes. that aside, <laughs> that aside, this is a very handsome watch. Uh, it, it, you know, it reads a little bit Explorer 2. It reads a little bit Longines Spirit. I mean, uh, to me, a- this is just, this is literally like Black Bay Pro, which a I little. think is kind of the 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 major criticism um, of this watch, which I understand. I mean, it literally is a yellow hand, just like the Black Bay Pro is. But you know what? Haters are going to hate because you know what? It's a good looking watch. The size specs are fantastic. Um, this collection is fantastic. People like it. And it's going to sell. It's going to sell very nicely. See, it's funny. I don't really read Black Bay Pro looking at this. I mean, as color aside. I mean, if you if look, if you matriculate it down to its basic properties, which is well-sized, vintage-ish GMT, black dial with a yellow arrow hand, yeah, they're literally carbon copies. Now, when I first saw the watch, that was not my immediate thought, but that's what the internet ran with. Like, oh my god, it's like a Black Bay Pro copy. I'm like, 
Well, I mean, there's only so many ways to make a GMT. You know, BlackBerry Pros have fixed bezels. I believe this one is actually a rotating bezel. It also has numbers, Arabic numerals versus, you know, traditional markers. And I guess it's got a yellow hand, so it's got to be a Black Bay Pro ripoff, according to the internet. I disagree with that, but I can also see how it is a valid criticism. But at the end of the day, you know, Black Bay Pros are still hard to find. And they're still more expensive. Yeah, so, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to give anybody that uh, satisfaction on this one. I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to do it. It's... It, Look, this man, is the, such a generic layout. For the me internet that, is gonna yeah, internet. It doesn't. The yeah, internet's it, gonna internet. I this mean, is such a generic layout. I can't. I can't give somebody, uh, you know, plagiarism props on this one. It's just. It's <laughs> not gonna work for me. I don't think it's gonna. It's gonna happen. Um, I like it though. I think it's a nice looking timepiece. I. I'm sad that it's not a. Um, it's not a like regular production. Yeah, it's a limited. Uh, it's a limited, of course. Um, it's like I. Why squander your best designs on limited edition? Yeah, always, right? It's like, come on, man. Like, let's just uh let's just call it a day. Let's just not do that. And this baby is titanium. 39 mils, 13.5 thick. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, you know what it is? I think I think I think Black Bay Pro for me reads sort of a little more diver GMT, and this reads more pilot GMT, and I think that's why they don't coincide for me. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I mean, uh, look, I'll be honest with you. I completely agree with you. Like, I really don't think that this looks like what people are associating it to be. But I could see how side by side you could make the cause, you know, the jump, logical jump that, oh, these are inspired by each other. Again, is it a stretch? Probably. Do I care? No. Should you care? As a consumer, you know, do whatever you want to do. This one is what? You said full titanium, right? Yep. So it's $3,800 titanium case and bracelet. And Black Bay Pro, right now, USD comes out to 4225 So for a little bit more, you're getting a full steel sports watch, or you can get a little bit less and get a full titanium uh, sports watch. It's up to you. Do you want to pay for the Tudor name or do you want to pay for the Longines name? Both of them are great watches. Yeah, and I just think I think Black Bay Pro I could get from 1655 to Black Bay Pro I couldn't get from 1655 to this. Yeah. Yeah. Did I did I tell you about the 1655? You told me you did not tell anybody else in this uh audio sphere currently. Um if you'd like to share that. I didn't know if that was a thing or not. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is now because we have alluded to it on the show before. Yeah, yeah, it's back. So it's... for those who don't know, Schmidt has had a sixteen fifty five in the family, sort of moseying around. Let's just say, yeah. And uh, some way, shape, or form, it has made its way. <laughs> the rock has come back. Yes, it has. The boomerang has returned. Yeah. Uh, so long story short, my dad got this um, from a college roommate of his who played football for a unknown university. 
Uh, it was gifted to him by the Booster Club. At oh, that time. very nice. Uh, so this is before the NCAA instituted rules about what they get. Yeah, about gifting and stuff. Well, so, then now you can get paid. So who cares? Yeah, yeah. So now you can get paid. So uh, this was all under the table, of course. But his his uh, his roommate um, told him one day when he got back from class to pick out uh, one of the items in the nightstand drawer, and basically there was two Rolex watches inside. One was a two tone date just. One was this sixteen fifty five. Great pick. So my dad, my dad <laughs> being the uh, the nicer guy, is like, well, I don't want to take the one with gold on it. I'll just take the more plain version. And uh, it was the steel version, which you come to find out became more rare anyway. So right. life is kind of funny that way. But anyway, uh, it was uh, it was uh, more about my dad for a little bit and given to my grandfather who had an original Rolex uh, that he lost in a card game during the Korean War. That's so, so my father. Yeah. So my father <laughs> gave him this watch to replace it. And um, my grandfather wore it basically for 40, 50 years until he passed away. Uh, a few years ago and then it kind of was in the family but not not by anybody who actually legally owned the watch not uh, yeah now where it was watched before <laughs> now where it should have been which was in my dad's possession and then uh through some legalities things we were able to to finally get the watch returned to us on on thanksgiving of this year so um we're in the process now of getting everything sorted for restoration and preservation of the timepiece. Nice. Um, I'm getting a new bracelet from from Rolex brought in uh, to be a re- replacement for the original one that was on it. Uh, so we'll we'll keep the original one, but we'll put a more practical new bracelet on it. Uh, I should say newer bracelet. Um, it's not a new bracelet, but a newer bracelet. And uh, it's getting sent down to uh, to Miami to to Mike at Rolly Works. To see if he can work his magic and, and do some uh, some restoration yeah. on it. Hey, took care of my explorer too. Did a great job. So you're in good hands. I'm. I. It's, that's what I hear. He seems like he's a really good guy. The estimate is very fair given the the extensive amount of work that's going to be going into to um, keeping the watch as original as possible, but also uh, rechamfering cases and things like that. And this is not a watch that will ever leave the family. So it's more about preservation than it is about you know keeping it all original. Uh, but we are keeping the hands and the dial and everything like that original. We just want to, you know, relacquer the the numerals that were on the on the on the twenty four hour scale, things like that. So we'll see. Um, hopefully that uh, hopefully he gets the watch soon, and uh, we'll we'll start the process. But it's back. Very cool. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Thank you. Hopefully, uh, yeah. Once it's restored, we'll get some <laughs> pictures and uh, yes, yes, yes. Pass those around. That'll be nice. All right, last up on the new stuff is the Aquastar Benthos Heritage. This is a very cool-looking watch. It's a little little big. I don't know if you've seen the dimensions on this guy. It's always been big, though. Yeah, yeah, it, yes, to be fair, it's always been <laughs> I mean, been this big. is a, it's a 500-meter diver, so it's always this been isn't, big. Um, yeah, this isn't one of those, it's newer. We, we re-released it, and now it's streamlined. <laughs> no, it's still gigantic. <laughs> hey man just just run with it right yeah, it's yeah. It. so 42 millimeters by th- 16 thick it is a thick boy but it's super cool looking i really like the look of this watch so i'm glad they brought this thing back um it's got very uh like cushion case vibes if you're into the old like yeah. turtle look this is pretty cool it's got a rather large orange hand dive bezel you know it's got a a, a crown up at two which is interesting and uh, yeah, if you're into the chunky thing, if you're into like the Willard look or the mm-hmm, the old, mm-hmm, the old mm-hmm. you know, like I said, the turtle cases, this is right up your alley. I mean, it's got it's like oozing vintage. It's got all the cool markers and chapter rings and everything on it. So definitely something to check out. I think it comes under a vintage strap, which is also very cool vintage. Yeah. Also, although I think this is also a limited, yeah, 500 piece limited edition, which also sucks. 
Uh. <laughs> but you know, kind of all the initial Aqua Stars were, you know, yeah, all of the all of the reissue ones are kind of limited editions at the beginning, and then they become more mainstream. And that's sort of what what the rage is these days. I mean, that's what Seiko does now. That's what um, you, I mean, even Doxa did that with the sub three hundred beta. They started yeah. limiteds, and then they just kind of well. I mean, because you, you think of it this way, from an economical standpoint, and we'll talk more about you know watch brands here from an economical standpoint in in a moment. But um, when you start looking at things like this, it's a great way to test the market, right? True. I don't want to commit to a production of five thousand units that I might sell thirty of. <laughs> because then you're left with all this inventory that uh, you've paid for, it's already created, and now you, it's dead stock, essentially. No doubt. So so brands will kind of test the waters. They'll do a 50-piece run. They'll do a 100-piece run because they can sell it decently quickly, given the notoriety of the brand. It's always going to be different. But this allows them to really solidify, okay, this warrants having it in. The collection is more of a, is more of a mainstay piece. So um, I think it's a great way for, especially on the micro brand level, to kind of get your feet wet, pun intended, and see kind of where the five hundred meter wet, yeah, <laughs> where the watch really lies in 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 desirability for collectors and and uh, and people to add it to their collection. So, no, I think that's very valid. But I, I I really like this. I think it's a very cool addition, and I hope they definitely make more of these going forward because these are badass. Mm-hmm. I like it. All right. So as you alluded to, uh, we're going to be talking about some watch branding and all the things above. Uh, we're actually welcoming back someone. It's funny. We always talk about sort of, uh, and I think everybody does this. at the end of episodes, you sort of have a guest on and you talk and then you're like, Hey, you know, we should do this again sometime. Yeah, yeah, we should. And then it kind of just never comes up again, or it just, there's not really <laughs> a reason to circle back type of thing. But in this case, uh, we, we have have all of those things. We have you know the trifecta, and and, and so we're gonna welcome back uh, Zakir from Haim Watchco. He was on with us a while ago talking about his uh, L2 Chronograph when it was dropping, and it's been a little while. Um, I've had the the pleasure of sort of hanging with uh, Zakir at uh, District Time. We had a good time. We we hung out with um, with uh, some other brand owners that have been on the show actually, and. Uh, you know, sort of chopped it up down there. And then I saw him again at wind up not that long ago in the city up here. And so, uh, Zakir, how are we doing? Hey, what's up, bro? I am, you know, I can't complain. Life is good. Every day it's a new day, you know, just um, second kid now. So welcome three to the months. Club. <laughs> yeah, three months. Congratulations. So I'm, I Congratulations. am in the thick of it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm in the I'm pretty much in, in the thick of it. I might stutter. I'm sleep deprived, you know, the whole night. That's stand, <laughs> so, standard procedure on this show. my Yes, friend. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> However, just so you know, I mean, I, I got to point out one thing. So if you remember when we recorded almost a year ago, I was just talking into the mic on a laptop. I sounded really tinny when I listened to it. It sounded uh, like two cups in a string. Just so you well, know, I remember it looked, on, like you were cram- it looked like you were crammed in a closet. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> We Wait, were like we're moving on up. I had the headset. Yeah. Very good. Very good. We like that. So you you know what that means. Business is booming. I was gonna say you must be doing all right. <laughs> That's right. There we go. There we go. Moving oh, on. Oh, but up yeah, you know, this is uh it's fairly poetic. Almost a year. So by the time this episode airs, it'll also be it'll be launch or announcement day of an upcoming model where it was actually first discussed on this podcast. It was. Yeah, I remember we were talking about sort of the progression and development of your company and sort of where we're headed and 
what the aspirations were and you know we were talking about the legacy models and and sort of yep. what you were going to be working up to so now we are introducing a legacy automatic which is very exciting that is correct i i'm very excited about it it's the for the brand itself it's the inaugural dress watch or a more formal timepiece so this one can be at the boardroom Right. <laughs> Very nice. Go. We've come full circle. Yep. Tied it in. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this, well, these I, before are talking about that, I was actually going to point out um, one of my one of my pitches for my sports model, the descent, is that hey, it's I mean, I some people call it a call it a skin diver. I just call it a sports watch. I my personal preference is not that of any dive watches. So it's really hard for me to try to succumb to the name of it just because it's not my personal preference in that sense. Sure. However, I one of the phrases or one of the pitches that I have for it is, hey, this watch can be worn at the beach or at the boardroom. And ju just uh, before we get into the Legacy Automatic, um, we also happen to have given away, If I don't know if anybody caught it, we gave away the um chronograph model for real men wear pink i gave away the pink gold dial and uh the person who got it and i i completely agree with this because when i finally got to see them in person i said the same thing um they were like wow this looks even better in person because one thing that we we sort of talked about last time and, it, and it's apparent in all the models of your collections is that texture plays a big role and sort of uh just in all aspects of design, like they're, they're, they're very thought Texture out and on, on an intricate, yeah, on an intricate level, they're thought out very well. And I think it doesn't always translate in pictures, but even, um, you know, Kathleen from red bar has one of them as well. And, and she said the same thing. She's like, this thing is so cool. I'm like, I know, like, and you know, given the price point and everything, you, you don't always expect that, especially because micro brands sometimes could be a little hit or miss. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you're sort of getting what the, the proprietor of that brand, what their vision is, that's what you are getting. So it, it doesn't always translate, but in this case, it almost translates extra in person, which is, I would, I would say is probably the strength of your brand, you know? And, you know, I've heard that across the board. Anytime there's a, anytime there's a trade show, man, anytime I go and I attend those and talk to people, that's the first thing that I hear. Okay. You know what? I've seen pictures, but this is way better in person. Yep. yep. And I so I mean jokingly I think to myself, hey, you know what? I need to improve on on pictures, but also it just tells me, hey, I'm going in the right direction. But also the brand being 3 years old now, I feel like I'm starting to hit my stride. Yeah. I'm very comfortable in what I want. Again, my background is not that of a designer or anything. This is just me and my own passion for watches and things that I and gaps that I've seen within within watches and current models and other brands that are already out there just throughout my own personal history of collecting and i'm i'm hitting my stride now as far as where i'd want to be design wise model wise and i'm building it now so be after the legacy automatic i have my next model already ready to go that one's already done you know prototyping <laughs> when you prototype it's not something because say for example today is uh december 31st and the model comes out it's available to purchase chances are that model was worked on for about a year and a half to two years yeah prior. yep 
Yeah, for sure. And so for me, by the time it comes out and it's new to everybody else, it's old to me. It's like, oh, yeah, I've had this for a while. I've been, it's been on my wrist. And, but that also gives me the opportunity to keep wearing it. And if there's anything I need to fine tune or refine, I can do so. And that's also been a growing pain for me in that I would try to prototype and come out with something very quick. But now I'm taking my time, but I'm also a couple steps ahead, which is a good thing. So with the Legacy Automatic, I, when we spoke about it a year ago, it was still somewhat it was still somewhat of an of an idea and one of the prerequisites was hey the l2 chronograph needs to actually sell like i this model needs to sell in order to do this cuz as a as a micro brand and speaking of i i'm going to go off on a tangent here one day i want to change the name or just change that term micro brand i'd rather I'd rather consider myself or even re rename the category as boutique brands versus micro brands. Okay. Hmm. Um, and it just sounds, because again, these are boutique watch purchases. They're made in small batches and oftentimes they're made in very small spaces. Um, owners sometimes, if they're starting off, they may not, not have an actual workspace or an office. It might be yeah, somebody yeah. in their living room. But when you sell it, when you sell it at these watch fairs and when you sell it at different um, in-person events and smaller events, those are often boutique events. And that being said, I would rather shift the name because it, I mean, just the perception of a micro brand is that you are getting a rehashed Submariner with an NH35 in it. Yeah, I can't lie. Micro brand sounds a lot like micro brew, which is like, uh, you know, the terrible beer that somebody offers you. Hey, dude, you know, I make beer and then you try it. And you're like, this is terrible. Like the one they cobble together in their garage. Right. So yeah. that's what I, that it gives me that vibe a little bit where I'm like, all right. Yeah. So what you do, you got one of those at home watch kits and you slapped it together. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong, but I've always I've always appreciated that term because for me, at least the way I've always looked at the term micro brand or micro brewery is disruptors. These were companies that were willing to disrupt larger entities within their respective industry, right? Of course. Especially for microbreweries, right? Your Anheuser-Busch, your, you know, uh um your Bud Light, whatever it is. These were companies that were like, you know what? We're going to produce a superior product and we're going to classify our own thing because we're completely removed from these guys. You know, we are our own thing. And for me, I always looked at it as a, as a positive, as a disruptor within that respective industry. But it's very interesting. Now, a question, a question to, for that uh, statement is, I mean, a disruptor, can, is that always a good thing? Because sometimes a disruptor can be bad, too. I mean, certainly. But I think in this case, what you and so many others have been able to do is to make watch make watch collecting accessible and exciting and deliver a great product at a specified price point. And I right. think that that's something that a lot of the bigger brands just cannot do because they, want, they don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. They don't want to do it. They don't have to do it, but you well, know, of course not. Once you have a reputation and you know, with overhead and just normal and you know, it's a, I, I'm going to dig into that too. Cause when we talk about business, when you think about the EBITDA model, uh, just by running something on a standard EBITDA model and bigger brands are able to do so micro brands or smaller brands are often not, we get pigeonholed. Yeah. It's kind of, Hey, you know what? Well, you have to be able to give us the world and the kitchen sink, but it can't yeah. be more than five fifty. 
Um, I and no knock to no <laughs> yeah, knock yeah. to people, but you know sometimes you'll go and check out some of the forums or social groups about micro brands and smaller brands, and the expectations and demand of some people are quite Wild. comical. And no, I <laughs> yeah, mean no yeah, offense yeah, yeah, to them, yeah. it's just comical. It's to the point. I saw somebody say something, oh, hey, in 2023, there's no excuse why a micro brand cannot come out with a full titanium hardened, yada, yada, yada. It has a micro adjustable clasp and it needs to put air in my tires, but it can't be more than $400. It's like, we can. It's just going to cost you $2,000, $1,500, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I know. And. I mean, because it, it, when you say, when with the term microbrand, you often get pigeonholed into a price point. And I'm yeah, not saying yeah. that because I feel like I want to start charging five or 10K from a, I mean, for what I currently have, everything that I have right now, I feel it's appropriately priced. Yeah. However, as a brand, and even with this model, this marks a new direction for me. The legacy automatic, it's almost a pivot or a repivot in, in that sense. Right. I, I don't I don't think it's a pivot though. I think it's an evolution. And I think it's yeah. a I think it's a necessary evolution because a pivot in a pivot to me denotes it like you're moving in a completely opposite direction. I think, you know, maybe not at, at the beginning, because when you when you started based on our, our conversation last time, when you started, you're like, look, I'm doing this, I'm a one man show, like I'm investing a lot of money for my own job into doing something that I have as a hobby and I want to see if people like it. People liked it. And now they're like, well, hey, what else can I get from you? Because I like X, Y, Z models. What's next? And you're like, well, you know what? The next thing that we've been kind of working on for the last year or so is is a mechanical wash. It's an automatic version. Here's kind of what we have. And I think it's amazing. I think this to see the the work that you got, the, the, you yourself as an owner, as a business person, as a designer and somebody that is wearing many hats to make this brand come to life. I think it's very cool to see that this is evolving into something that feels much more like your your thing, you know. Like it, it is, it's a refined product, you right. know. And I think that I, that's I can super appreciate cool. That I can appreciate that, and I it's definitely refined. And you know, from the conversation that we had uh, going back almost a year now, that conversation when we were talking about the legacy automatic uh, pre, again prerequisite was hey the l2 chronograph needs to sell because you know as a small micro boutique brand our worst nightmare is excess inventory yep yep because oftentimes and also with the industry itself the industry almost demands that you have new models every single year or hell even <laughs> twice a year yeah yeah exactly it uh, but then but then they shun fashion watches yet we're expected or the the trend is to it, come out with the same quantity it doesn't make sense fashion watch. it doesn't it, it doesn't make sense at all <laughs> no not not at all so i mean right now what i'm trying to do is uh, i'm gonna probably scale back in the sense of one model every year or every two years however yeah. for the for the brand um I like with the L2 chronograph, the base model, that was a permanent collection. That's still going to be part of the collection. That's what's available. I'm not, there's no limited run for it. It's just that model will always be there because I feel that that model is worthy. It's a, it's a great model. And for mm -hmm. what it is, it's, it just, it's a phenomenal value and yeah, what you get with that watch. So with that, I came out with a couple other iterations of it. One, as the brand turned three, I made a small run just to celebrate the three-year anniversary. I've also done my first full collaboration project with a group in the Middle East. And um, 
did a series of 50 pieces, two dials. It was based off of the L2 chronograph. It was the L2 chronograph Arabized. There's still some available. However, this, uh, they've sold exceptionally well. The demand for them has been higher than any of my other pieces. And just the overall reception, some of the best fee, I've received some of the best feedback on that specific model. Yeah. There's two dials. They tell the story of day and night. And if you think about a lot of Arabic literature, it's often tied to older stories. So I wanted to title it based on a story, come with the same, with the design that is inspired by architecture within the region, not just smack a bunch of Arabic numbers and call it a day. So every wait, detail wait you mean that's not how map. you design Arabic watches? You just put Arabic numbers <laughs> and get like turquoise and then call it a day? That I thought that's I thought that's how it works. No, you know what? I maybe for somebody else. I don't know. <laughs> maybe if you're designing a Swiss Arabic watch. <laughs> it's always it's always the same story. It's like, all right, guys, we're gonna make it turquoise and we're yeah. gonna put traditional Arabics on it. And you're like well, I wow. did uh, just even if five you think seconds. about the day, even even <laughs> if you think about the day model, um, that one. Silver, silver base, of course. And I went with um with pointed with a pointed guilloche pattern, so more yeah. um more pointy at the top. On top of it, I emerald green. I decided to go with emerald green for the numbers, except I wanted them to be raised, not just printed on the dial. But not just the numbers, the hands have to match the same color. Right. Mm-hmm. And you really don't see emerald hands. And then on top of it, if you see the color scheme, it almost pays tribute to all the the, the different flags within that region. There's pops of different colors. Uh, if you check at the 60, you'll see a bit of red there, even though you don't you don't catch it. At, the first time you, you see the watch, you don't notice it. It's something you have to spend time with in order to yeah. catch it. So I, no, I feel like I've put a lot of thought into it. And when you think about those watches that are made for the Middle East or the GCC region, I think I have one of the better ones. And that is something I can say very, not arrogantly, but confidently. I And when I see what some of the other brands have done, it's kind of, they've just taken their same model and just made the numbers Arabic. <laughs> and they called it a day. And it's, no, that uh, kind okay. of the joke, right? Yeah. Yep. I, <laughs> no, I feel like I, I feel like I've, done something special there with it but at the same time now the thing now i'm asking myself hey have i outdone myself now (laughs) no i don't think so i mean i i you know the i with what i have with what i have now and with what's coming next the answer is no yeah yeah no i I mean this 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 arabized uh version that you have listed on your website i mean the 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 hobnail texturing, the guilloche in the center of the dial is fantastic. I love that you did a mix between traditional numbers on the subdial versus the Arabics on the counter for the chrono. I think that that's super cool. I don't think I've ever seen that done. I don't no, even so know if I've ever seen that Arabics done before. If you check the notes, what I did, uh, the entire dial, um, the pictures are prototype dials. So there's some okay. that are standard English numerals. There's parts of it that are standard English numerals and parts that are Arabic numerals for the actual production and the final product that's available to purchase. It's 100% Arabic. Oh, even the chrono numbers. Got it. Okay. 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 And that's also just feedback from the partners that I've been working with in the region and just from consumers within the region. When they buy it, when you, when you want something or when you make something that's a tribute to that, to that region and to them, that's what they appreciate. Yeah. Okay. I see the disclaimer here. 
I see this coming. I mean, honestly, though, either way, it looks cool. <laughs> Even if it was half normal numerals and half Arabics, I think it would still look cool. But I, I don't think I've ever seen Arabics in a subdial. I know I've seen it no. traditionally for you know the main portion of time indication on the launch, but I've never seen it in a subdial. And it's just well, also if you cool. check out the six o'clock, typically on all my watches at six, it's the origin. It's, uh, it just says Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, I even have that in Arabic too. Yeah, I see that. I see that. That's super cool. It's so small, but it's there. I think. I mean, I- I the think design I is really a nice. Very good, a very good design. Probably out of all the Arabic inspired dials that I have seen throughout the years, I and I'm not saying this just because I'm biased, but I think it's one of the top five. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a very good looking dial for sure. I mean, honestly, so, all of your all of the watches that that I've seen come across your, I mean, even your anniversary edition, just very very pretty watch both both dial options and that just very good looking and it, it it's again man not to not to you know belabor the point but i mean it's it's definitely well well thought out it's done with intention and people recognize you know quality i mean you know game recognizes game as they say right like it's 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 just it's something that I know is not an easy thing to do. There's a lot of variables, a lot of factors into making these decisions. And really once you make the decision, like that's it. Like it's, you just go, it's really, there's really no time to deviate from that. And, and you're hoping and praying that it's the right decision to make, especially as a small independent company like yourself. Of course. And I mean, cause I, you know, you, you can't, you can't grow, you can't make the right decisions or smart decisions unless you mess up a couple of times, yep, which sure. I feel early on, I I don't, I wouldn't call them mistakes, but they're growing pains. So I've, I've had a couple moved on from there and now it's, uh, again, I'm hitting my stride now. Um, even with the, with the L2 chronograph, one big piece of feedback that everybody has is, hey, this case design is incredible. I never noticed all the detail on the case. And that uh, all that tells me is maybe I'm not documenting enough, documenting it enough. <laughs> but then also at the same time, if I document it too much, then it's just gonna sound like I'm trying to overhype it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but that's it's part so, of the that's part of the social line. media sort of uh, the plight of social media is you people who have uh, so little time to absorb so much, and it's right like so many things thrown in their face at once. I feel like that is why you have all these companies that will continue to just make post after post about, Oh, do you know about our proprietary steel? Oh, do you know about our special bezel? Do you know about our inspired GMT hand or whatever it might be? Like they, they know that people consume so much in such a short amount of time nowadays, given the the ability, given our phones and everything that you sort of have to drill down on it. Otherwise somebody somewhere is going to miss it and then be like, you never told me about this. And meanwhile, it's like, it's all over. It is all over our ad campaigns. And it's one of those things where I am still struggling with the social media aspect of it, just because it, the amount of time that it involves. It's like, how do you, I I remember we talking about that last time. How do you do everything else that needs to be done while still trying to run social media? It's so I'm, I feel like, okay, I'm doing the best I can. I started to figure out how to, I can schedule things in advance and get those posts. I finally been able to get my photography to where I'm happy with my, uh, with my photography as well. So I, so again, it's hap- it's happening doing it my way. So, you know, I can't really, there's no scapegoat if it doesn't pan out the way it should. 
All of that said, the L2 has uh, has been selling. It continues to sell. And as I promised, hey, depending on how the L2 sells, I want to make an automatic version. However, when I listened to our conversation, it almost sounded as if, hey, I was just going to take the four dials, smack an automatic movement into it, remove the sub dials and call it a day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. didn't do that. I At this point, I needed to. This is kind of a rebirth of the brand for me. I would call it Haim 2.0. And this is where it starts. <laughs> All right. So let's it walk starts with this model. Let's walk through this one because I, I, I see some specs so, here and I see some interesting characteristics that I'm curious about, to say the least. Yeah, you know what? Let's uh let's dig into the specs. I the specs, it's the same case size. It's 38 millimeters, 45 millimeter top to bottom. The height is 10 and a half millimeters. Which so is it's quite nice, under your, especially for an automatic. It still fits, yep, fits right under a shirt cuff. And that's the total watch, not just the metal versus crystal and everything. It's the total, the total height is 10.5. Yep. Rather than go with steel, I decided to go with titanium. And not just that, the amount of work that is done on the case in titanium, that's a piece itself. I was going to ask about that because I see this coin edge and everything, yep. and I can't so the, imagine. If you check the L2. Yeah, if you, if you check the L2, uh, the that same bezel space, it was a yep. chamfered edge. So what I wanted to do is, uh, again, when I designed this case, the question was, how do I improve on the L2 case? How can I make this case better and make it make it even more different? So that was one of the things I wanted to swap out that chamfered bezel with a coin edge bezel. So it's not a, it's not overpowering either. It's not a full coin edge from top to bottom. It's just a slight, like a one millimeter maybe. And so you get that, you don't notice it at first, but when you do it pops and that was in the case, the finishing, the polishing and the brushing on titanium is a pain in the extremely different difficult. And also this is, and this finishing is done by hand. What's uh, what grade is, is the titanium Two, five is a lot harder to work with. Really? To, to high. So you did high polishing on grade two. Yeah. That's yeah, incredible. It's done on grade two. Um, again, the keeping starting from the L2 on the sapphire crystal, five layers of AR coating on the other side, it just on the underside, it helps with the with the glare. reducing glare. Uh 50 meters water resistance. And so yeah, that's the case itself. Uh the, the features on the side of the lugs, I decided to hollow them out too. So if you check out the side, oh, the there's only there's semi skeletonized. So it's almost kind of like a an 1159 kind of that kind of that uh, architecture in the side of the lug is that is that kind of some inspiration uh, kind of there? The same thing and well no not necessarily the 1159 in that sense. It was I've seen a few watches just over I can't necessarily point it to one but I wanted to do something different. It was just like how do I add more character when you are staring at this thing sideways? Yeah. What can you do? I I mean, obviously, the obvious is, okay, hey, add a Breguet-inspired coin edge to the entire bezel on the side of it. But, like, I already went with the convex curve. So I don't want to try doing something like that, not to mention I wanted it to be something a little different. So with the lugs, what I've decided to do is, hey, you know what? Let's hollow them out. It just adds that character at the side. But from the top view, even when you see the lug top down, they curve in. Mm-hmm. It curved, mm-hmm. they curve inward and then curve back out, whereas on the L2, they did not. So it's almost as if um, if you were to snap those uh, hugs hard hard enough, you could probably break one off. I don't recommend trying it. I'm I'm thinking... Uh, I'm thinking <laughs> I mean, it of, is titanium. Uh, it's titanium. Yeah, it's probably going to be pretty yeah. hard. 
That would be pretty hard. I'm thinking hard. of a, you know, you know what the Kit Kat bar, you can break a piece off and, and you ha it has that little curve <laughs> on the inside of it. Oh, yep. That's what that reminds me of. Okay. So there's three different dials. Um, as, as you see, uh, you, you have all the images and everything. So there's a dark cobalt. I took that same dark cobalt from the L2, but I wanted to do something a bit different. So the seconds track is actually applied. So it's not a printed seconds track. All the numbers are applied Breguet numerals with the guilloche center. Gorgeous. And two of the three dials have a date window at three. Yeah. The Aventurine dial is a no date. That That's, one does not that have guilloche just because you can't necessarily, it's hard, it's not necessarily the best idea to try to do a guilloche pattern on Aventurine. Yeah, it doesn't lend itself well. No. <laughs> I mean, well, also, when you produce one of those dials, you break four in the process. Yeah, for sure. Which is also yeah. why the Aventurine dial costs, uh, the cost is a bit higher. Yeah, well, it has to be. It has to be. Aventurine is a very, very unforgiving material. It's all man-made. It's literally yep. glass, which I, I don't think a lot of people realize. Um, oh. it's, gla it's glass with metal oxides inside. That's literally what it is, and it creates one of the most it's also beautiful night sky. Quartz gemstone. Yeah. Well, so are you, are you using natural Aventurine, or are you using the um the the man-made aventurine there's two different types it's man-made okay Again, okay uh, if it had it been natural the cost would be would be more well on i mean honestly for me i prefer the man-made one because it looks much more like the night sky the the, the natural aventurine that you find the, the semi-precious stone that's out there if you didn't know this, the 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 rock was discovered after the process for aventurine was created by men, or by man, I should say. That's so and funny. So, I know. That's and funny. So, and so, um, when when the rock was found, they called it aventurine after the process that had already existed with the glasswork, which is kind of an interesting thing. Um, you would think it would be the other way around, and it, right, and it was not. So you to know, me, that's actually, something I didn't know. So yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 quite an interesting uh, it's quite an interesting uh, little tidbit of information. But uh, Aventurine dials are just amazing. They're on some of my favorite watches ever. Um, they're gorgeous, um, but they're beautiful. incredibly hard to work with or to photograph. Um, yeah. So the name of that model, I call it Stargazer. It's perfect. <laughs> and it's, it's then I've also so that's also the brand's first Aventurine dial. This is the well, so this is also many firsts for the brand. So when I talk about a rebirth, I when I call it Haim 2.0, it's for a reason. First titanium case, mm -hmm. first Aventurine mm -hmm. dial, first tuxedo dial. Yeah, I call it Burgundy Burgundy Tux. There's plenty of there's other tuxedo dials out there, but I haven't seen one in Burgundy. And I also yeah. haven't seen a burgundy dial that is not too overpowering. Sometimes yeah. it has way too much red in it, and it just this is almost know, like a coffeeish color. It's, no, it's not, really nice. not necessarily. It's I mean, it's a deep red. It not coffee. I'd say more towards uh, pomegranate. Okay, it's good looking. Regardless, it reminds of me a lot of is. like uh, pottery, you know. Oh, Fair like enough. a terracotta almost? A little bit. A little more red, but yeah. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I, that I don't works know too. which one I like. I mean, I, I know, I know I'm know i naturally drawn to the Stargazer already, but this I don't have a tuxedo dial. That is really striking. So it's one really thing that you beautiful. see here, so with the early prototypes versus uh, what's going to be production, the date discs are actually mm -hmm. going to be color matched. 
Beautiful. So on the dark cobalt one, the date disc will be the same cobalt. Same thing with the burgundy tux. Aventurine or stargazer, there's no date. Right. So that's something else. Um, again, the finishing on, on the dials, Guilloche Center, applied numbers, as well as a seconds track. And not to mention, uh, let's talk about the movement. So I I have to be careful here. It's a customized caliber. I will not call it in-house because it still is modeled on top of a base caliber. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sure. I so I, I got to just say that right off the bat. I'm not going to call it an in-house movement. There's no shame in that. I won't say. Uh, so it's a custom caliber. It is a caliber that I helped design as far as the customization goes. And this, uh, I call it HWC1, and it's also 100% U.S. assembled. 26 really? joules. Yep. 26 joules, 28,800 hertz. And the other thing with this watch is this is also 100% U.S. assembled. Not just the, not just cased here. The movement is made here, or a, not made, built here, as well as all of the assemblies. So this is a... So you're doing everything a, here in the United States, with the exception yeah. of the actual manufacturing of the components of the movement, essentially. That is correct. But everything is being assembled so the, here. On so the, the component manufacturing happens in three places. It happens sure. in Europe, Asia, and, and stateside. Sure, sure, sure. But that's, I mean, that's really everybody, right. realistically. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. If you think about Swiss made, all that means is the movement has to be Swiss. Everything else comes from uh, comes from Asia. Sure. So now, now, um, so let me ask so you. So all all that, go for it. I was gonna say. So let me ask you because that's gotta be, that's gotta be extremely difficult to do this, because this is U.S. based manufacturing, U.S. based assembly. I. Is this done in Chicago? Chicago and on the East Coast. Really? Wow. Okay. So basically, dial, hands, regulation of the movement, the movement assembly itself is all going to be done here in the United States. That'll be done here in the U.S. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah. Good for you. Good for um, you. It definitely eats into a profit margin. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can imagine, but again, it's, it's, this is... However, at the same time, you unique. know that it, it's unique, but I'm not sure how much of a selling point that is. Like, I don't know if I want to hammer onto that as a selling point because... I mean, if you, there's, I don't know how big of a demand for something that, oh, hey, I want my watch to be 100% made in America. Not just that. I don't know if somebody from Europe or other parts of the world will say, hey, I want my watch to be made in America. I'd rather have something Swiss made or what have you. Sure, now, sure, sure. Oh, now, the reason, one of the reasons behind it is one, I wanted to be able to have greater, just greater oversight over QC. Yeah, yeah. I sure. want to. I want to keep it closer to home, and eventually, eventually, at some point, to start doing more things here. Again, uh, when I started this brand three years ago, one of the goals is to somehow land my own in-house caliber. And I, as far as getting starting off with customization, I feel like okay, this is kind of a step in the right direction. Yeah. So as you see, as you see with the movement, it has a bead blasted rhodium finish, blue screws, gold rotor, gold gear train. So that that matches um, the images that you see are about 90 percent done. There's still about 10 percent, 10 percent of customization that won't happen until the final product is uh, set in motion just because of dealing with quantities. Yeah. 
So that's so we're almost there. But even even as it is right now, it's still it's still incredibly gorgeous. No, I mean, and it's, it's, it's also beautiful. if you see the actual movement holder around it, I decided to keep that exposed. But instead of going with a plastic piece, it's a full gold gold plated piece. That's so it cool. gives that additional texture. It makes the movement pop even more. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, there's so much thought that goes into something like this. And when you really think about, you know, really the sum of its parts, I mean, things like applied numerals. Okay. There's brands that do that. That's great. But we're talking about applied minute tracks. We're talking about minute tracks that are three dimensional, right? You have kind of a raised or sloped, uh, sloped angle towards the, the yep. top of the crystal. You're, you're, you're decorating aspects that where most brands try to hide. You know, where, like you said, you're, you know, the, the the movement holder itself. This is a place that's commonly like, hey, we don't want to show that. So let's just go ahead and we'll just make the the opening for the movement that much smaller to hide. Right. The, the well, overall. also, oftentimes it's just a, it's fiberglass or plastic or something. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But I mean, typically they hide it. I mean, they just make the exhibition case back that much smaller in the crystal so that you don't even see it. Right. Um but this is really, really cool. I love the rotor design. I love the fact that you did like a uh, uh, a fluting on the uh, the movement holder. I think that that's that's quite that's quite unique and and special. It just so my thought. My I've been toying between I've been toying between that and hobnail. Either way, I think it would be cool. I don't think you can go wrong. I think no, I don't think I I don't think either would not work. Um, it's just about the complexity and getting it done. Yeah, sure. So, sure. I mean, again, this watch, and also, the, I mean, the thing with this watch is, uh, from a price point on my end, this is probably the most expensive piece I'm going to be putting together. Yeah. As far as uh, as far as the from an assembly standpoint, I'm not talking about cost. Like the yeah. cost, the cost that I like, my cost to bring this thing to life, it's going to be one of the most expensive projects. Mm -mm. Probably whatever, probably whatever it took to bring the L two um, times four. Wow, seriously? Yeah, it's not going to be a cheap project. Uh, so that's another thing. So there is, um, I'm a bit, I mean, there's the, a little bit of nervousness there, just because, like, okay, hey, what if it's not as well received as it's been so far, or what if people are kind of like, oh, hey, well, hey, you know what? Now you, who are you to be asking for this this amount of money? I mean. If we talk about price, MSRP on uh, both dials minus the Stargazer is $1,350. $1,550 for the Stargazer dial, but that's uh, MSRP. Early reservations, I'm knocking $350 off. So that's uh, that's pre-order pricing. Mm -hmm. So that means you're getting the other two for 1000 each. I still think that that's fair. I believe it's I fair, that, but I, I think that's more I than fair. It's fair but I know there are some people that will just say, "Hey, well, you know what? Who are you to ask for that much?" Or, "No, this is not fair. Yeah, you don't yeah. have enough here. You don't have a bracelet or this and that." Well, not so, for nothing. You're you got. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You got D lugs supplying your straps, right? That yeah. is correct. That's a hundred dollar strap right there, at least. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not you know like I mean. <laughs> it's, it's not but like you know what? Unless you unless thing, you're a you know? diehard aficionado, it's not something that. Like it's not necessarily a selling point in that sense. Like I appreciate the work they do. They make great straps. However, I have not, I haven't seen, I haven't seen it boost uh, the quantity that goes out. Like I haven't seen anybody say, "Oh, hey, you have a Dulux strap, and that's what I'm going to go with you." 
it's just something that I felt it's something that I felt I needed because I did not want to skimp on their quality. Yeah, but you, like, see, you know what? That, but again, At no point does somebody is somebody going to say, well, you know what? I got to buy this watch and I'm going to have to, uh, you know, I'm probably going to have to swap out this strap. They know it's a good strap. You know, it's, exactly. it's solid. You know, you exactly. don't have to change it at all if you don't want to. Like, I remember I remember getting um the Sarb 017, right? The Green Alpinist. And I was like, oh, yeah. Everybody's like, this, this strap is trash. And I got it. I was like, this thing is actually trash. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> you cannot wear it. It's plastic. Yeah, I've yeah, I've I've had my I've had my experience with that, too, where when I got some straps uh, made for me and they were made based on cost. And when I received them, I'm like, uh, yeah, I yeah, I need to go back to the drawing board. But, you know, for me, when I think about these things in, in, in the sum of their parts, you know what I mean? Like when we're looking at something like this, this is something that I myself feel is very well thought out you know again you're going to be producing you know things a little bit smaller quantities i'm sure you probably don't have maybe this, the same notoriety as some of the other micro brands out there or boutique brands out there right now no but it's uh it's this a, is a constant a, grind again my my achilles heel is um is marketing i mean sure but i mean this is this is something different you have something special here the watch is beautiful this the oh, case proportions are amazing. The the material that you're working with is not a because again you could have made this steel and still charge a thousand dollars. Yep. I mean, let's be honest with you. You could have very well done that, but you did it in titanium, which is one an extremely difficult material to work with, and then to do finishing like engine turning and skeletonization and other aspects to it. To do it is not an easy thing. And again, I know this because I've come from the sales industry. I've done this before. I've sold watches from different manufacturers over the years. And although I'm not in it so much anymore, I can recognize the complexity that goes into producing something like this. It is not an easy thing to do. And then to be able to offer, let's say, let's say it's $1,300, you know, after your pre-orders or $1,500, depending on the dial, right? That's still a really good price point given the assembly that you're trying to push for, the finishing work that you're trying to do, the materials itself. Right. I mean, it, I mean, titanium well, not is not that. inexpensive. I, no, no, not in that sense. And also when we think about or when we talk about the actual story behind the model, which is something else here. I So the whole story behind the model, like if you notice all of my watches, they have a little, a little tag phrase with each and every one of them if you check them out on the website. You'll see, like, hey, meet this model, and here's a tag phrase under it. Mm -hmm. um, the tag phrase for this model is it's created for memories and milestones. And uh, one of the thoughts uh, thoughts that I've had when I went in designing this is, you know, this industry has just become so diluted. Um, mm -hmm. The hobby mm -hmm. itself, um, again, I, I'm a watch collector myself, and this hobby's just become so diluted in that, Oh, when I first got into it, when I first, what really fascinated me about watches, um, beside the message that was beat in my head from my father, uh, not physically, not literally, but um, <laughs> sometimes yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it goes uh, but, for, it goes for me as well. Shout out to you, Dad. So I like the thing is, what got me with watches are you can stare at it and recall memories. Like you, you yeah. would create memories with the watch. You would create. Uh, 
different, you would mark occasions. You would also mark or commemorate a milestone. And now I don't see that happening as much now. Now it's all about hype and yep. everything. The message is just so diluted because, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of choices out there. Choices that there's, it's a very oversaturated market. I would never say it's undersaturated. It's quite the opposite. But in such an oversaturated market, the, those core points of creating memories and just and commemorating and marking milestones seems to have gone missing in action. Yeah. And I wanted to take it back to that for me. So when I designed that, when I designed this model, that is the premise behind it. I want this watch to be not a, a throw, not a $400 throwaway watch. You're not going to just put this in a drawer and let it sit. This is something you're going to take with you wherever you go. And this is something, if you purchase it, you're purchasing it for yourself um, because you wanted to create memories with it, or you are purchasing it for somebody to commemorate something, whether yeah. it's a marriage, a birth, or something of that nature, just some a big uh, life event. And... Like I've had, I get every so often, I get messages from people, hey, I'm buying your watch as my wedding watch. Like it's one of the best feelings to have when people are telling me that they're yeah. purchasing my product to mark that occasion. So yeah, now, it's a pretty, it's a pretty important one. You know what I right. mean? Like it's so now I want them to have that same pure product to back that up. Yeah. Like this is like, hey, that when you're buying this product, this product is going to be there for you. This is one of those where, yes, with the proper care, this is a pass down piece. This is one of those pieces you're going, you are going to be able to pass down. Hence, you know, having the movement assembly done here, just so just to keep a better eye on everything. And yeah. also when it comes to servicing, I can get things <laughs> turned around much faster. Yeah. They don't have to go overseas necessarily. I mean, so, I think it's I think it's well thought out, my friend. And and, and, and I, so the story again with this with the legacy automatic, I it's kind of hey, this is made to create memories and commemorate or celebrate milestones. Yeah. And this watch is is that. And I feel I feel for that it is priced appropriately, if not underpriced. No, I think it's I think it's certainly very fair. I mean, again, objectively. And again, you're probably going to get mixed feedback from the internet. As I said earlier, the internet's going to internet. You know, you're going to get mixed feedback, I'm sure, from from collectors, people that own it or or won't even think about it twice. And they're right. just going to rant and rave on the forums. And that's fine. I mean, you know that. You've already been dealing with that as a as a business owner. I mean, even us, you know, we get some <laughs> we get some feedback and some DMs sometimes. And we're like, dude, just not even gonna not even gonna read you the know, comment because it's so silly. Like I get um so sometimes, and again, again, that's something that I work on and uh, that I need to work on, or I, I try to work on. And that's mainly just because I'm so passionate about this. I, I love this hobby so much. I, I mean, the, at this point, if you go through my camera roll on my phone, it is nothing but pictures of my watches and kids. Yep. That's it. There's right. nothing else in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, uh, the that's all of us with dads out here. <laughs> well, and also, and the occasional uh, picture of sticky toffee pudding. Oh, very nice. Which is uh, that's become my favorite dessert. That's a new, th yeah. That's that's I mean, that is my on. favorite. That's a very trendy thing right now. I yeah. Well, the the first time I had it, I was up in um, up in New Hampshire, and when I tried it, it just blew my mind. And then I went down this Google rabbit hole, and now anytime I'm in a different city, my Google search is nuts. The first thing is sticky toffee pudding near me. I, <laughs> I taught like myself it. how to make it. 
I've taught myself how to make it. And actually nice. what I could do and what I could do is with the actual cake portion of it itself, if you switch out the brown sugar with Truvia, which is uh, that Stevia brown sugar blend, yep. you can cut you can cut the sugar and carbs down by about 20%. Wow. But you still self-sabotage with the toffee syrup. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and the ice cream hey, that goes hey, on it's, top. It's the balance, all right? It's, oh, yeah. it's, sometimes you just got to feel like it's a balance. Yeah, so I mean, that's uh, pretty much what's in my phone. But again, I I, I love this um, so much. And what was I saying? <laughs> no, it's it's the passion. It's the pet project. No, before the it, passion, what was tying to it? Because I just can't remember where I was trying to get at right now. It happens to all of us at some point. No, I think I think it's it was stemming from um, talking about just sort of the the criticisms from the internet and so oh yeah yeah what Taking you're going to run across yeah, yeah. no you're right because no I take it I take it I intend to take it personal and that's just because I because of how much I love this so it does feel personal it's like hey well you know uh, like when I when another collector says something negative and I'm thinking to myself like, listen I'm one of you. Yeah, I'm one of you. We should we should probably be both seeing this from the same lens. Uh, but then you know you get your other feedback from people, and it's funny. I sometimes I I'll look at some feedback, and I'm like, man, do I just be the bigger person? Do I be professional, or should I let my personality shine? <laughs> if there's if somebody had some somebody made some comment, and they're like, hey, you know what? You should just this is a, this is a nice dial, but if you remove the logo, it would be better. Just nobody. It's ugly. Nobody wants to see it. And my first thought is, well, kind of like your face. <laughs> yeah, I like it. But of course, that's not what I. That's not what my response. Yeah, is. and that's 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 definitely not the way that you want to conduct business either. Unfortunately, as much as we want to do it that way, uh, we really can't. Unfortunately, right. But, look, man. I, I I'm just gonna say this. I think you've made a great product. I think it looks really good. Um. I'm sure the people that are listening to this podcast will be excited to see it. And it's cool that you're bringing, you know, maybe it's not so much a, a big deal for the rest of the world, but I think it's certainly a big deal for the United States to bring back jobs and manufacturing and things like that. Things that we used to do as a country back here in the U S and have it done. I think well, that that's I can't important. say I'm bringing it back because I have not, but you're um, facilitating it. I'm facilitating it. And there's companies that are already here. There's shops that are already here. Uh, the guys that I'm working with on, on this movement, a wonderful group of people. They're amazing. And you know what? I like they're the popularity is not there though. Of course. I mean, that's just a given, but they Yet. also do, but they also do. They also do a ton of warranty work for a lot of other brands. I'm sure they do. So they all, and of course, the, they do my warranty work uh, as well. So I, to be able to work with them, I feel like this is the, the start of something beautiful because yeah. from here we can definitely try to scale. I mean, I, again, my, my background, uh, it's in tech, it's in transportation engineering and such, but it's in um, telecom, not necessarily watchmaking. Watchmaking is something that is where my heart's at, not my actual background. But it's where yeah. my heart is at. It's something, anything that I know, it's because I genuine, genuinely wanted to know. I wanted to learn myself. And everything that I could do with the watch, it's something that I taught myself. Yeah. Uh, one day, I would hope if I would hope I would have the opportunity to, to be able to go to a watchmaking school and actually get that accreditation. 
But for the time being, it's something I've been able to teach myself and I've butchered a whole lot of movements along the way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But to be able to work with the actual, to work with experts and people that are just uh, pros here and have them so accessible to me, it's the beginning of something beautiful for the brand. And I feel, again, I I call this the start of Hame 2.0. Yeah, I like it. I call it Hame 2.0. And... Um, this is where we start. And again, for, and I've, I may have mentioned this before, but I, so the next, so after this watch, the next watch, I, I'm not shy about what it is. It's actually going to be my first world timer. That's exciting. So you already saw it at wind up. Of course. I, I mean, but you know, at any of the events, I have the watches with me. I'm not afraid to show them to people. Yeah, I just don't want pictures taken of them yet. Or anything yeah, sure, like sure, sure. I mean, yeah, that's pretty customary. That's pretty customary. Right. Um, I mean, I don't mind showing it, even though it's so early, because I like to hear what people have to say. And so far, I, the feedback that I've received from this uh, from this model has been like nothing negative. As a matter of fact, some of the more higher horology collectors, the guys that are into the Vacherons, the guys that are into every I mean, high five-figure, six-figure pieces, even then, they're like, hey, this this is great. I'm you're finally gonna get a you're finally gonna make me a customer. I like it. So that's um that'll be announced. I'll probably announce something like that. Uh, late summer 2024. But again, as a boutique brand, every it's a domino. You got to knock one down to get to the next one. And for that model to even make it, it this model needs to be somewhat of a of a success. So yeah. the legacy automatic needs to sell in order for that one to come to market. Because again, the worst thing that you could do is put out these models, not sell any. And now you're just sitting on a bunch of inventory. And even when you th- and again when you think about the EBITDA model, or when you even think about just standard business practices, the more inventory, the time that you have that inventory is actually costing you money. Yep, absolutely. And that's something that I mean, you you know, consumers are consumers. You I get that you can't necessarily because they they may think the opposite, but at the same time, that's something that's in the back of your head, and you kind of you want to. You want to share that information with them, but at the same time, you have to think of a nice way to say it. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, so right now that's kind of um, so from the legacy automatic, it would be that model. And from there, I I've mentioned this before. I've said it to several people. One of my one of my dreams is kind of a to launch a sub-brand, which would be something more towards high horology. Like if you yeah. think about the brand name here, the brand name here is my last name, spelled backwards. Um, rather have a sub-brand that is my last name, more probably my first initial last name. And that would be catered toward, towards the high horology. We're talking maybe 10-piece runs, but each piece is 5 to 10 grand. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And again, like I said before, this is all evolution. These are all things that take time, and they're they're methodical, and they take uh, they take a lot of effort and hard work, and you know, in many ways, blood, sweat, and tears, uh, figuratively and sometimes literally as yeah. well. 
definitely, to make these definitely that <laughs> to, um, to make to make these things happen. And, I uh, like I am all I'm always on my phone. I'm talking to just uh, either because again I'm doing everything marketing, social media management, responding to emails, customer service, um, talking to suppliers, coordinating everything. So like you're constantly just like it's hard to catch a break, and when you try to catch a break, you feel like everything's going to fall apart. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's uh, it's not easy. But uh, but kudos to you and what you've done. I think everyone's going to be very excited to see this uh, this new legacy automatic timepiece uh, when it finally does drop. Again, this will be a delayed uh, release episode. So if you're listening to this and wondering if what we're talking about. If you're listening to this today, then it is January 5th, 2024. Yeah. So there we go. Um, there's the official notice of the drop. Um, I cannot wait to see it on social media. Um, it looks like it's going to be an incredible piece. So. Uh, kudos to you and uh, all of your hard work putting it together. I cannot wait to see them out there in the wild. So, oh, thank you, thank you, and I I appreciate that. I again, I was telling bro that this conversation is very poetic because <laughs> again, just uh, the first mention of it was on the same podcast over um, almost a year ago. Yeah, I know it's so that's crazy. It's been that long. Are. Yeah, I know it doesn't feel like it though. <laughs> no, that's a good thing. That's a good that's a good thing if it feels like it's been a year it's like it's probably a bad thing but uh but no it's been a good thing um and yeah you're right it's poetic i love it i love it and it's it's cool i guess for us to just to see to see your brand grow to help be some small portion of what uh what you've done and and uh and be just be a fly on the wall in your in your development in your process so thanks for bringing us Thank to you. the ride no oh, hey thanks for asking me to come yeah, no, our pleasure. And, uh, you know, I think we're all excited to sort of see the evolution over time. And if you get to that, you know, that pinnacle where you can put out something really, really spectacular and high end, I think it's uh, I think if 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 the attention to detail on these models, is any indication that's going to be a very, very intriguing timepiece. Well, I have um, I have the idea already as far as what the debut model would be. I know it's going to be something based off of something in chicago okay i have uh i have my sketches and i have my sketches already and the so one of the challenges um would be from the case shape i don't want to do uh just a, a circle case so i'm still th thinking about what type of case i would want it to be but then it would be how do i incorporate that into that case style Mm -hmm. so what what can be done and such so that's kind of uh i mean that's where it's at right now i am from uh from a complication standpoint i think i would want it just to be a simple three-hander if i could get a uh, small seconds at six at six that would be great if not just a standard second wheel. i don't think i want a date window or anything else nothing too dramatic um i depending on what can be done with the movement and that's where the a lot of the conversation is going to be because at this point now it's going to be how do i have these conversations with uh schwartz at the end uh or how do i have conversations with those guys it's like hey let's i want to design something with you yeah how do we make mm -hmm. this of how do we make this modification like how can we get how can we do abc to get to xyz and at the same time, in my head, I'm like, I would not want this to be more than eight millimeters tall. So how can I get to eight millimeters? But at the same time, offer at least 50, uh, 50 meters of water resistance. But then again, any watch on the strap, does that really matter? And because even 30, when you think about it, 30, 
Yeah, this is like a running a running joke at this point that, you know, everybody in their 30 meters and 50 meters and worried about falling in pools. Like, I don't think I've ever fallen in a pool in my life accidentally. No. <laughs> and you probably had no. a dive watch on if you did it, right? Yeah, you know. I remember at one of the at one of the at one of the fairs, somebody's like, "Hey, do you have anything that's a 500 meter water resistance?" That's kind of what I'm looking for. And so I'm talking to this person, and I my thought is, "Okay, 500 meters. This guy must be doing some pretty adventurous stuff." So started talking about his uh, lifestyle and things that he does and activities. This guy, the most the most activities this watch would go through would be born in the shower. Like I have the occasional water balloon fight, you know. <laughs> Five hundred meter water resistance just to wear it wear it in the shower. You know, it's because the for the forum bros told him that's exactly what he needed to ask for. So he sounded like he was an expert. I, I mean, it's more so. It's it's more so. It's got to be that. I mean, come on. Like, I wear a blow bra off on occasion. It's a twelve hundred meter diver. It, it it's literally ridiculous the water resistancy i don't care it is what it is but you don't there's no way on planet meters. earth yeah there's no way on planet earth that you need a 500 meter diver i mean literally 100 I, meters is is enough i mean 1200 meters my first thought is they should have probably been designing uh submersibles <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably gonna use their input on the reason just like uh, I mean, that's no, that's no, too soon. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, you can edit that if you want. Yeah, you know, I think it fits. It is our, what it is. It fits our our mold pretty well, so it's fine. I mean, we we all we all now understand uh, ocean dynamics. Uh, <laughs> that's right. It's a little bit better in twenty three. Uh, that's true. <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah, so that's kind of uh, that's where it's at. Uh, Legacy automatic and again pricing. It's MSRP thirteen fifty and fifteen fifty for Stargazer. Uh, the straps will have a standard leather Epson strap. There's going to be a Croc strap upgrade, so there's an uh, there's an upcharge if you wanted to go with the Croc strap. That's something that'll be available. And pre-order pricing is three hundred fifty off, so that means the Dark Cobalt and and Burgundy Tux will be a thousand, and Stargazer will be twelve fifty. There, they will there will be fifty of each, and um pre orders or early reservations that will open up on Monday, January fifteenth. Okay. Once once everything is good to go, watches I'm anticipating them being delivered within. 120 to 150 days after production begins and that's a large window we're thinking almost half a year now and uh some of the reasons behind it again the the watches will be built to order the movements will be assembled per order they're all done by hand yeah and also this case with this uh with this material this titanium case and with this uh type of finishing it's not quick yeah it takes time so all the parts do need time, and like with the L two, I was able to bring the L two to market uh, two and a half months, and even at two and a half months, the finishing is phenomenal. I was able to get that done and ready and off to everybody's wrists in two and a half months. Unfortunately, with this model, it just won't happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Well, again, it's it's growing pains in in the in and in, in the right way, uh, but we wish you certainly the very best of luck. Not that you need it, um, but I know it's going to be an exciting launch for you and evolution for your brand. So, um, we're just happy to to have been a small part of it. So, um, January you said fifth um, for the official press launch, but then start to take deliveries on January fifteenth, right? That's correct. Okay. All right. That's it. Well, you heard it here, folks. There it is. Legacy to Legacy Automatic Watch. Get ready. It's coming. Yeah, hey, so, thanks, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, I think uh, it'll be exciting. Hopefully, I'll see you soon in some watch fairs and stuff, and we can uh, chum it up and maybe go hands-on with some stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, since now we're in January, the next fair is going to be um, District 9 in March. Right. Hopefully, Hopefully, I will be there. <laughs> um i'm hoping you will i'm hoping you'll be there too yeah that was a good time last time hopefully i'll make it now. all right so we'll uh we'll catch you then hopefully sounds good all right thanks again thanks. Bye now.